God is good. And all the time? Ah, Aren't you glad that's true? I'm so glad that's true. When you wake up in the morning and you look out your window and you see snow where it shouldn't be, God is good. And, you know, I just sit there and, and, you know, I, as a, if you've never been a pastor before, you have no idea what the rhythm is on Friday night and Saturday morning. You know, during the week, you wake up, your alarm goes off, you know, early in the morning, and, and you're like, oh, okay, you know. When your alarm goes off on Saturday morning, it's like, bing, all right, we're ready to go. And you get going, and, and, and you, get, you, get, you know what you got to do, and you're getting ready, and, and then you look out the window, and you're like, okay, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're just going to say, wow. And then you got to wake up the family and everything else, and then, and then everything you plan for the morning is like, not going to happen. And you just enjoy the beauty that God has done. And, and then you go outside, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning and you go outside and you realize your neighbors are up pretty early on Saturday morning too because they're outside taking pictures of their houses. And they're like, hey, John, look at this. Isn't this incredible? Yeah. And like I go, now I've seen you today because some of them are church members. The pastor has seen you awake. You're going to be at church today, right? You know, I'm looking just to see if... Uh, <clears throat> But what a, it was just beautiful. And for, for those of us who are not, uh, you know, used to this area during the winter, and it's April, what's going on? I'm not sure about that. But, you know, this just doesn't happen in San Diego. So this is kind of a neat thing to see and just uh, to take in the majesty of God in the snow and the mountains. And uh, I was trying to drive safe, you know, while I took pictures with my phone, you know, you know. But that's okay. I have the Father, Son, and the Spirit with me and... Uh, and uh, not too many people out that early in the morning on the freeway. But uh, how are you all doing at staying alive? You doing good at staying alive? Keeping alive? You look alive, so that's good. Uh, it's something that we're kind of consumed with as human beings, you know, trying to stay alive, to keep alive. We, uh, we exercise or we try to, you know, we, we try to eat the right things. We, we work hard on staying alive. Uh, when I was younger, I, I must confess, things have changed for me a little bit. My motivation for exercise has changed. Uh, when I was younger, you know, high school, you know, sports was everything. Athletics, working out, you know, you got to play every sport and you got to be the best at everything you do. And, and so, you know, you, you work hard. And um, my theme song, you know, back in the 80s for working out was the Eye of the Tiger, you know. You know that song, you know, bump, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, just, I mean, right now you're just wanting to like, yes. And, and I remember when that came out with Rocky Three, And I, I was a Rocky addict, you know, when Rocky One came out and Rocky Two, and then Rocky Three. Rocky Three came out um, the summer before my senior year in high school. So some of you are going, he's really old, and some of you are going, he's really young. <laughs> I'm right in the middle there. And and I can remember the scene, you know, with Apollo Creed and Rocky, you know, running on the beach in slow motion, and all their muscles just rippling, you know. As they're just, and uh, and and I was working hard for football to come, you know, that August and September, and and that was my theme song, you know, bum, bum, the Rocky song, you know, dum, bum, ba-da-dum, ba-da-dum, ba-da, you know that. I mean, that just like gets the heart going. Well, now, you know, at 45, I hear the music and my mind gets pumped. But my body just doesn't want to go, you know, that hard. Um, so now I've, I've, I have a theme song. It's from the 70s, 
Uh, some of you may know there's th- three Australians, and it's called Staying Alive. <clears throat> and that's my theme song. Sometimes when I'm running, I hear that, you know, staying alive, staying alive. That's just because now it's not, a, it's not about the abs, you know, and it's about the cholesterol, and it's about the blood pressure, and it's about, you know, it's like just staying alive is what the theme song is. And, uh, you know, as human beings, we, we work hard to, to, to stay alive and to, and to be kept alive. And today, the seventh sign of Jesus in the book of John, John writes about something that we all fear, and that's death, about not staying alive. And he writes about Lazarus, who, who actually gets so sick, he gets to the point of dying. And Jesus confronts this situation. And, and while Lazarus seems to be the main point of the story, and it is a very important part of the story, I'm going to challenge you today to see that really the main theme within this whole story and this sign that John writes about is found in the conversations Jesus has with his disciples, with Martha, with Mary, and with a group of people that, that John calls the Jews. And he, not just the Jews in general, but, but these, they're leaders within the Jewish community. And so, so John writes, and he says in chapter 11, and we're going to put it up on the screen for you, or you can open in your Bibles. <clears throat> in John chapter 11, he says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. You can read about that in the next chapter. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now listen to these next two verses. Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Just one verse, just to tell us. Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And then verse 6. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Doesn't that just kind of feel wrong? You know, you read that, and I mean, what kind of pastor would I be if someone called me and said, Pastor, so-and-so is, they're on their deathbed, and uh, you need to come. Okay, I'll be there in a couple days. You'd be like, um, we need a new search committee, <laughs> right? But I thought you, you loved us. Why wouldn't you come when, when we need you? What kind of pastor is Jesus? What kind of shepherd is Jesus when he loved these people so much, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days? Jesus, don't you want to keep Lazarus alive? Apparently not. Apparently not. Jesus isn't concerned with keeping Lazarus alive. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, the disciples say, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered. And I I always love Jesus' answers because it's like, okay, that was from left field. What is that about? He says, Jesus answers, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by his, this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. I could just picture the disciples going, did you get that? Because that didn't sound related to what we just said about our concern about going back and getting stoned. Here goes the rabbi again, talking about walking in the light. 
Well, in a nutshell, because I want to get to other things, Jesus is basically showing that he is fully committed to following the Father and working in his timing, not anybody else's timing. And so we need to walk in the light. We need to walk in the truth. Jesus said, I am the light, right? He talks about walking in the light. If you read back in John chapter 1, it says the light came into the world, but they preferred the darkness. And so Jesus is saying, I am about my mission. I'm about doing the will of my Father. I'm all about the reign of God, and I'm going to go in that timing, not whether it's safe or not. I'm going when God tells me to go. And so Jesus goes on, and after he had said this, he went on to tell them in verse 11, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, I love this, Jesus isn't beating around the bush anymore. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. What's Jesus' major hope for his disciples? That they'll what? They'll believe. Notice that. Pay attention to that because it will go all through this section. Then Thomas, and this is where I love that Thomas gets a positive text about him. Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, we know Thomas is what? Doubting Thomas. Now I'm not going to believe until I see him. And here Thomas is the one who's saying, let's go. Let's go and die with our master. Verse 17, John continues to write, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Now listen to the conversation Martha has with Jesus. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have what? Have you ever said something like that before? Lord. If you had been there, Lord, if you had come when I asked, Lord, if you had answered, Lord, where were you? Lord, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was concerned with what we're all concerned, staying alive, with keeping alive. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. <sighs> well, it goes on. She says, but I know that even now, verse 22, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, being a good Adventist, she knew her 28 fundamental beliefs, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Sounds like a good Adventist, doesn't it? Oh yes, the resurrection. It's going to come. Well, the Jews believed there was going to be, some of them believed in the resurrection. I always remember, you know how you can tell? Now, do you remember, this trivia question here. There were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Do you remember which ones did not believe in the resurrection? Very good. Man, you guys are good. See, I always have to remember that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were sad, you see, right? That's how you can remember it, all right? I know it's childish, but those Sabbath school teachers, you know, they work. I know he will... He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She knew her theology. She knew her doctrines. And then Jesus blew her doctrines out of the box. In verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Isn't it amazing when your theology becomes real? Isn't it amazing when everything that you believe that God reveals to us in Scripture actually comes to life? 
And it happens in Jesus Christ. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then the question he says to Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that, that because of me, anyone who, who dies will live? And anyone who lives, even though they die, they'll live again. Yes, we believe. We believe that we will live even if we die. People that we've lost, loved ones that we've lost, we will see them again by the grace of God because of what Jesus has done for us, because of his life, death, and resurrection. But here's something else to think about. The sad part is, really, and maybe you've kind of heard a phrase like this before, but the sad part, I think, for most of us as humans is when we die before we die. You know, you ever kind of feel that sometimes? Like, what, I feel like I'm on this, like, downward um, movement of, of death. Maybe not even physically, but just emotionally and spiritually and mentally. It's like sometimes people die before they die. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Yes, the life to come, but, but there's something more. And she says, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you tell her, sisters? Said the exact same thing. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then those two words, the shortest verse in all of the Bible. What is it? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Do you notice a theme running through these conversations? Why isn't Jesus keeping us alive? Why are some people dying and some people not? Why isn't Jesus keeping us alive? Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Can't he who made the, the blind see, who made the sick people well, who fed over 5,000 people, who turned the water to wine, couldn't he keep this man alive? See, what I want to suggest to you today is that Jesus is not concerned with keeping us alive. He's concerned with making us alive. And there's a world of difference. There's a whole world of difference between being kept alive and being made alive. Jesus came that we would have life, even while we're living. And he came to give us life, even if we die. What an amazing God. There is no greater God than Jesus who has come and took on the flesh and bone and died and lived again so that we could know what it's like to have life. Jesus isn't concerned with keeping us alive. He wants to make us alive. 
through his presence in us. And so Jesus goes on, and he says here, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, Martha said, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. I love how Jesus waits till it's just really bad. You know, he's not just dead, but now it stinks. And he says, roll away the stone. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you, what? Believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And I love these words that Jesus said. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Jesus came to make us alive. And sometimes we go through life day to day to day to day. And some of the things on our to-do list and at work and at home and our troubles and our worries, they become like grave clothes. And we go through life just kind of trying to, just trying to get along, tied up and bound. And Jesus came and said, come out. Believe in me. If you believe in me, you will see my glory and you will experience life before you die and after you die. Jesus came to make you and I alive, not to keep us alive. Being kept alive is just, who wants to live that life? But being made alive by Jesus Christ, now that's a life worth living. There was a woman who... um, husband, her husband passed away. And now I need to tell you before I go on with the story that I have high doubts that this story is true, but it's a good story. So I'm going to share it with you. I read it years ago in a Chuck Swindoll book, and I don't remember if he said this was true or not, because if it's true, it's very interesting. But the woman's husband passed away, and she could not bear the thought of burying him or having his ashes. So guess what she did? Yeah, she had him stuffed. So she uh, had him stuffed, and, and women, you know, you'll know, appreciate this because um, she put a permanent smile on his face and put him right in the entryway so that every time she came in for money and errands, working out in the garden, there he was. Right? Just permanent smile. And she could walk in and say, hey, honey, I'm home. Um, just did some errands, and uh, oh, I know, you don't have to say I love you. I know you mean it. You don't have to tell me all the time. You know, we hear that, right, guys? We don't maybe say it enough because they know that we love them. So they're just smiling, and I know you love me. And So every time she'd come in from work from the garden, going on errands, she'd say hi, and he was always there. Now, a whole little bit different than if he was alive, right? You're going to go with me on that one, all right? I mean, if he was alive, there would be this interaction in this life-transforming relationship. But because he's dead and, you, and she keeps presenting himself to this dead man, there's no, there's no interaction. There's no transformation. But, you know, if we're not careful, instead of presenting ourselves to the resurrected Christ, every step of our life, every minute of our life, we can go on through life presenting ourselves 
to things that are dead in this life. Things that may be entertained, things that maybe keep us busy, things that might even be good, but they don't remind us that Jesus came to make us alive. They just kind of put our emphasis on being kept alive, maintaining, staying alive. But see, when we present ourselves to the resurrected Christ daily, Christ makes us alive. There's a, uh, a passage I would like to read to you that Paul wrote. In Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. And in chapter 8, two other verses, verses 10 and 11, he says this, But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. See, Paul's not just writing about he's going to put life in our body to be raised from the dead when Jesus comes back. He's talking about now. That as we present ourselves to God, as we present ourselves to his word, as we take Jesus' word that to be our reality, we are made alive. We transition from trying to be kept alive to being made alive. And Jesus came that we would be made alive. Isn't God good? In the Seventh-day Adventist church, we, uh, we practice what we call the ordinance of humility, which is washing each other's feet as Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And we invite you, if you're a guest with us today, to join us. You don't have to be a member uh, to share in this service with us. It's an opportunity for us to remember that God is God and we're not. And that we want to live humbly before him, before each other, and to remember that he came to serve and not to be served. And as we do that, we prepare our hearts to come back and partake of the, the bread and the wine together symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus. Um, We encourage you to to serve each other. We have the the men in the primary Sabbath school class. We have the women in the junior Sabbath school class. And we have families, couples in the fellowship hall. But as we do this, let's remind ourselves that this celebration of the Lord's Supper is here to remind us that Jesus isn't interested in keeping us alive. He came to make us alive in his spirit. Let me pray before we go. Our Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you offer us such profound life. 
life beyond anything we can imagine, no matter what we go through, no matter what pain or suffering or obstacles we face. We can experience an amazing life in you. And as we go and we serve one another, may we, through our serving, be blessed as we create this space for you to interact with us and with each other. And as we wash each other's feet, may, may you impress our hearts and minds with the things of your kingdom within our presence. We ask this in your name. What a blessing it is. What a blessing it is to uh, be able to partake of the Lord's emblems today. And as we partake of the bread and wine today, I want to encourage you to remember that our lives as the people of God are not interpreted by the things of society and the things of our culture, but our lives are interpreted by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, by the life that he lived and gave for us, and that he was resurrected again. And so as we partake of these emblems, let's remember that my life and my identity are completely interpreted by Jesus Christ and his kingdom. I've asked uh, Pastor Kim if he would have the blessing upon our bread and wine this morning. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful that you are a God that invites us to communion with you. And this morning as we partake of these emblems, we're reminded of your sacrifice. But more importantly, we are reminded that you are a risen Savior that wants to just come into our lives and into our communities and give us true life. And so this morning, that's what we pray. We pray that as we share these emblems, you will just make yourself real in this place. I pray all this in your name. Amen.
invite you this morning to take the bread, symbolic of Christ's body, lived, broken, and resurrected for you. And take a moment, just in silent meditation and contemplation, to think of his body for you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you now to take the cup with the juice symbolic of the blood of Jesus. The blood that flowed through his veins. He took on human form. Here, the word made flesh. The blood that was spilled for us on the cross. And his blood that he now offers to us to flow through our very beings through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Take a moment now to contemplate the blood of Jesus for you. The scriptures say in the same way, After supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Upward I look 
and see him there who made an end to all my sin because a sinless savior died my sinful soul is counted free for god the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me to look on him and pardon me spotless righteousness the great unchangeable I am the king of glory and of grace one in himself I cannot die my soul is purchased by his blood my life is his with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. Won't you sing hallelujah with me? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the one, praise the one, risen son. Risen Son of God, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the one, praise the one, risen Son of God that Jesus came to make us alive, not just to keep us alive, but to make us alive even if we die. That's the type of God we have, and that's what this communion is about, to remember that God is all about life and living and being alive in us. As we conclude this series on the signs of Jesus, John wrote these signs that people would believe now with Christ alive in us and our belief in Jesus, God asks us to be living signs. That as we go about work and school and home and family, that our lives would be signposts that would encourage people to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is who he says he was, and that by doing the things he asks us to do, 
amazing things happen because the kingdom of God breaks through in our lives when we do what he says. By the grace of God, may we as a church and as people be living signs to encourage the world to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Lord, our lives are yours, and we ask that by your grace, you would make us alive. May we not ever be content with being kept alive, but may we be passionate about you and you making us alive in your spirit, in your kingdom, not just to come, but now here on earth through your presence. We love you, Lord, and thank you for your life you gave us to bring life to us. We praise you in your name. Amen. God bless.